You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Superlative, a podcast about watches, the people behind them, and the worlds that inspire them. Spending time with the Blog to Watch community and the stories we discover. Let's get started. Hey everyone, Ariel Adams here with the Superlative Podcast. Today my guest is Mr. Sylvain Dalla. He is the CEO of Tissot Watches. Sylvain, welcome. Hello, Ariel. Thanks for inviting me. So I knew you for many years as the CEO of Hamilton Watches. And Hamilton and Tissot, for those who don't know, are part of an uh, important company in the watch industry known as the Swatch Group. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But one of the things that amazed me is you spent about 16 years, correct me if I'm wrong, 16 years as the leader of Hamilton. Is that right? Well, uh, yes, I was first the VP sales and then the CEO. And yeah, it's true. I, the first time we met was a long time ago, 16 years ago, was uh, in Los Angeles. I don't know if you remember this uh, fantastic night we had with uh, the Behind the Camera Awards. Yes. 16 years ago. Yeah. Time flies. It's, it's, it's incredible. And this awards was something that was always sort of like the the LA personality of Hamilton because so many people would be invited to this and this was was so cool about this award it was it was a celebrity event you know of course with Hollywood and and Hamilton of course did many things in Hollywood but everyone sort of came and had fun and it wasn't televised so everyone was sort of on their on their relaxed casual behavior and you you love those things is that is that something maybe you miss about the days at Hamilton no, because we should never look at the past. And uh, there are so much exciting things going on at Tissot that I have no time to be nostalgic. But uh, yes, it was a very uh, fun time. They they definitely keep you busy. And I think the Swatch Group is an interest, interesting institution if you're not in the watch industry, right? Like if you hear about the Swatch Group and you see the companies that are within the Swatch Group, you know, it's 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 sort of interesting to understand who is. You know, try to explain to someone that doesn't know what the Swatch Group is, you know, Who's running the Swatch Group and what is the goal uh, and genesis of the Swatch Group? Because it's, it's an interesting story. It's tough to tell. Yeah. So the Swatch Group is the worldwide leader in, uh, in the watch industry. And what makes it different is that we have, a, of course, fantastic brand in the group. Uh, brands like uh, Omega, like Breguet, like uh, Harry Winston, uh, like Tissot, like Swatch. But, and, and, and more Longines, et cetera. But also we have an unbelievable industrial base and we produce every kind of components you need to produce a watch. And I can tell you that that changed the whole philosophy because when you have the fit within factories, you have to think really long-term. So that makes this group being very special because it allies really the industrial part and the brand side, which makes it unique. And uh, yeah, it's a very interesting culture where people are really helping each other. And uh, I don't know many groups where uh, you can call any CEO of any other brand if you have a question, if you have a doubt on something and you share openly um, information and things. So that makes it very, very interesting. It's a very true conglomerate of companies because over the years, the Swatch Group has acquired many, right? The Swatch Group started by you know Nicholas Hayek in the 80s, and that's a whole story unto itself that we'll never be able to tell right now. But as a conglomerate of existing companies, and part of the culture has always been not to necessarily start a company, but to get something which has existed that fits within sort of the culture. I, I, am I right in saying that? T totally. A very, very interesting group to, to work with. So 
your position in the Swatch Group is on the side of somewhere between the manufacturing side and, and that world, and also the side of making things for, for consumers. And that's sort of a very interesting part, right? You make all the components, but then you have other companies that use those components to make things for people. You know, help help people who don't understand what that's like. What is like to straddle between the worlds of manufacturing and the worlds of, of, of product creation? What's that like? Well, that's what is amazing. I give you an example, the T-Touch Connect Solar that we launched. We had some ideas. We had some vision on the product side. We wanted a watch that was autonomous. We wanted a watch that will uh, not be recharged every night, but uh, that will have autonomy for months. So we looked at what was available in the market and there was not solar cells that were matching our needs. So we said, let's let's meet with the people from the industrial and R&D side. And they helped us to develop a solar cell that was aesthetic enough to be the watch dial. Another example, we wanted to have an ultra low power operating system, again, for the energy consumption, but there was nothing as such in the market. So we went to the industrial part and we said, let's have a, a look if we could develop our own operating system, which is what we did. So uh, that's the beauty of uh, having uh, the feet in the um, in the ground with industrial people who, who have R&D, and that's make our job very exciting. Yesterday, I was sitting in a call for two hours with uh, uh, people from the industrial side and the R&D, talking about the future of the Tissot Touch Connect, and we could infuse the R&D with our product vision, and then uh, they can come back and develop search with the input from the brand. That's what is very uh, special in the, and that's what makes it a great opportunity for us, the brands uh, within the group. So let's talk about the T-Touch the because the story of the T-Touch, to understand where you are today, you need to sort of go back. And was it 1999? That was when it was originally released, right? Exactly. That was uh, the first um, T-Touch Connect. And that actually, that was one of the first if not the first device in the world which had a, a touch screen, one of the first. And uh, we developed that in-house, again, uh, having exchange with the R&D people. And of course, the T-Touch has evolved uh, alongside. We had uh, then integrated um, the solar technology. Uh, but if you remember also, we were the first connected watch with uh, the Swatch Paparazzi. So the, the Tissot High-T was among the first um, connected watch because we were using uh, a technology to to display content. Uh, it was a partnership uh, with Microsoft, and we were displaying content on the watch. And that was a, a little revolution that was back uh, 16 years ago. Yeah, and the funny thing, you know, I remember Tissot and in the in the few brands that participated, you guys seemed to invest more in it than Microsoft. Well, uh, I can tell you, we really uh, were behind this project. It was a great product development. And what I, I love today is that if you look at the new T-Touch Connect Solar, it's the fruits of 20 years. It's a connected watch. It's a solar watch, like the Solar Expert that was launched five, six years ago. And uh, also the first T-Touch 99. So it's the fruit of all these evolution uh, over time. You know, I'm thinking about it. I think I must have seen every generation of the T-Touch. In fact, I may have reviewed every single generation of the T-Touch um, out there, probably starting in from like the, uh, you know, the 2001 or 2002 model. 
it was well Ayel, you still look young so how do you do that uh, you were still reviewing the first t-touch in 1999 no you're so, a student or but i had them all i've i owned the t-touch before i started to blog to watch that was one of my you know pre so i i was a customer of tso you know before i was in the watch industry Great. and <laughs> i remember uh my father bought it for me as a gift and I was, I was still in law school at the time. And I just told him about this watch because I had been into it for so long. And I remember I was living in San Francisco and there was a guy on the bus and everyone, you know, you take, you take the bus to commute. It was, you know, okay in, in San Francisco. Never, never in LA. Never, it's okay <laughs> to take the bus in LA. But San Francisco, it's fine. And there was this guy on the bus with, it, with, it, with a T-touch. And I was just, I, I got into it in college because I remember when it came out, it just had the right mixture of, good looks, you know, it was like a sexy watch, but it was a gadget watch. You know, I grew up with like G-Shocks and stuff like that. So for me, like Tissot had this titanium metal watch that looked mature. It was, it was finally like, a, it was like the G-Shock you could wear around girls. And yeah, it was, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was a true revolution. Yeah, it really was. And the functionality, and it was, you know, was, was Tissot surprised by the success? I mean, of course it knows a good product when it has one, but was it surprised how well it did internationally? No, it was not a surprise because the the technology was uh, uh, so innovative. Uh, the watch was good looking. So I, at the end of the day, when you put your heart and when you put your guts into the development of a product that is so complex, you have no surprise that it becomes a success. And it's still an iconic line in the Tissot family today. Let, let me ask you a question about smartwatches because I know that it's something that, of course, you know, Tissot has had an enormous, enormous history. And there is one thing to say what smartwatches are today, but what does Tissot want the smartwatch to be? You know, assuming you could have the technology at your fingertips, what does Tissot believe a smartwatch should do? Well, first, we, we don't do smartwatch. We do fine watches that are there to last for years. We don't do commodities that will have a two years a lifetime. We do products that are there to last. Important so distinction. we do fine watches, which we had connectivity to. For example, the new T-Touch Connect, if let's say in five years there is a new technology and Bluetooth is not anymore uh, existing, well, no problem. You still have a beautiful T-Touch with function uh, uh, that works without being connected and uh, your watch will still be there on your wrist in 10 years if you want. So that's the big difference. We produce watches that are meant to last. And we will never do any commodities or any product that will be programmed to be replaced after two or three years. But there's no, there's no like activities or particular types of things that you want to do, like the functions you want it to have. You know what I mean? Well, there are functions. Um, and for us, what we do in the T-Touch is really bringing um, function that really makes sense to the people, but also bringing function that are linked to our DNA. For example, in the United States, we're going to launch the watch with an app that will be uh, specifically developed with NBA content because we are the official timekeeper of the NBA. Right. So we will have a specific application linked to our brand DNA and our sport and people will enjoy receiving content from uh, the Tissot app uh, linked to the NBA. So we don't believe in um, watches that will do everything like a consumer electronic device or like a phone. We believe in watches that uh, to which we will add some specific useful function. And the product we are working on for the next three, four years, they are still with the same philosophy. So you don't need to recharge your watch every night. It has to last at least for months 
in terms of autonomy and the the features the functions are chosen based on what we believe is important to our clients it's true i mean I don't meet a lot of people that are particularly happy with the fact that a, a smartwatch has to be upgraded all the time. It's really sort of a barrier to entry. I think one of the great things about watches is that, you know, even if you if you own the watch yourself forever, you'll always be able to go back to it and use it. And it's such a shame. You know, when I take a phone that I had 20 years ago and I look at the thing and it, it won't even turn on. And it's mm. like, you know, I spent so much time with this. I have I have literally memories in this. And now I can't even turn it on anymore. Like that's a very bad feeling. And I think watch people take for granted the fact that watches are are made as well today as they are. I mean, it's, you know, just knowing a little bit about manufacturing like you do, you know, a lot of it, like that these things all come together um, and that people don't celebrate the fact that these, like imagine if a car engine worked as well as a watch movement, that'd be crazy, right? That would be amazing, but that's our philosophy. And, and you know, the people, they sometimes come back after eight years, nine years, uh, they have a quartz Tissot watch that they paid 300 uh, US dollar and it's an emotional product for them. They want it to be repaired. So we always think long-term when we developed watches, even if we had connectivity, that has of course an impact because if you want a watch to last with uh, some electronic inside, you need to choose the best electronics. You need to develop sometimes yourself the components. That's what we do, for example, with uh, the solar cells because we think longevity, and that makes a whole story different. So the, so the product, I mean, how do you wear test something like that to make sure that it lasts 10 years, 15 years in the future? Like, like is, there, is there tests to do that? Because some oh, of these yes, technologies some do, right? so you have it. We have uh, at uh, ETA, uh, ETA, which manufacture movements and which manufacture a big part of uh, this watch, we have plenty of serious tests that can um, also um, simulate the longevity. And uh, that's that's for that's true for the ABH, for the watch case, for the dial, for but also for the electronics. So let me let's switch gears really quick and talk about communication and marketing. There's all these amazing stories, but they're hard to tell. And and now we know that a lot of people are making their decisions to buy online and things like that. Like, what is this, what is the strategy you think that that will help make sure that these messages are are being given to the consumers because this is there's so much information here in watches and in the fast-paced culture today, no one seems to stand around and, and wait to educate themselves. What what do you hope to see that will make sure that these messages reach consumers in a way that allows them to, you know, just digest all this information? So first there are people like you, Ariel, people who are passionate about watches that have media that reach millions of people. And uh, that's an important part to tell the behind-the-scenes stories. Then we also have our direct contact with the clients via social networks. Um, and we, we try to really um, not educate, that would be a wrong word, but to pass the behind the scenes stories. And I have to admit, maybe we should do it even more. And also very important, we have 12,000 point of sales in the world with talented uh, sales associates. And training is a very important uh, point for us. And we have actually um, online um, uh, training uh, camps uh, with uh, with Tissot and we train as much as we can on the behind the scenes story on the uh, on the fact that for example our case we have beautiful uh, sunray effect on the fact that uh, on the dial for example beautiful sunray effect that we have nice brushed surfaces uh, on the cases which are all little details that require time and uh, talents to produce on the movement side we have also a lot of stories so I would say the the professional uh, blog forums with uh, passionate people behind are a source 
of information for watch fanatics, but also ourselves directly via uh, direct contact with the end consumer and also the sales associate in the store. You know what? I, a lot of people always ask me about getting into the watch industry and some people want to go into sales and things like that. And I've always been curious when you, you know, think about the type of person to hire to be a salesperson for Tissot or watches in general, you know, what, what kind of things do you look for? I think it's important to let people know like the types of values there are out there because not every background is perfect for it and some backgrounds are great for it. It's a good question and the answer is very simple. We look for people with emotion. They have to have emotional intelligence because a watch is not a commodity. A watch is not just features. A watch is a whole story behind. And for that, you need to have people with emotion, sk emotional skills to be able to pass the passion. Does that mean like being able to read people and know what they like and know how to talk to them? Is that a big part of it? A part of it, but also to, to have passion. You are not there just like in a consumer electronics store where you can explain, oh, this has a X gigabyte and this has a charger, Bluetooth. Blah, blah. No, you have to pass the stories behind of the, of the brand, the story of the product. You have to be explained. You have to be passionate to be able to explain all of this. Now, what kind of manager are you in terms of like how much you get involved? Are you, are you sort of at the top and you have the people you talk to, or do you find it useful to get your fingers in sort of every part of the organization and know everything that's going on? Well, you know, at the end, uh, a CEO is nothing without uh, the team. And um, today in the modern world, it goes so fast that you need to have people that are talented, that you can trust and that can take decisions. I prefer a manager that will take 10 decisions a day uh, and make some mistakes than one that will take one decision and uh, will make no mistake during the year. So you need to trust the people. But of course, I like to be involved because it's a, a passionate job. So for product development, for example, of course, we have talented team at TISO, but I love to be involved in a, a once a month, half a day meeting where we only do uh, product reviews for the next uh, 12, 24 months. That's cool. So what, what are some of the other things you do like that, where you have these like interesting experiences as managers? Because I don't think these are, these, are, these are common across the watch industry. No, we are, I mean, I think it's very common today. You cannot run a, a brand that uh, generates 1 billion turnover if you want to have an eye on everything. That's not possible. You need to have people you trust. You need to recruit people that are talented and you need to get involved on the things that you believe are key and strategic. Or you need to be involved when they request your help. I, I noticed something very interesting a couple of years ago, and that was that people that were trained as managers within the Swatch group, if they leave the Swatch group, they actually try to find other people that were trained at the Swatch group to hire to work around them. And I've never seen that phenomenon anywhere else. What is it about the sort of education that you and your team get that make it clear that you work best together? I think it just comes from the top from the, the culture of the group that was infused uh, by uh, Mr. Hayek Senior and that is still there uh, with his uh, children. It's, it's the spirit that comes from the top. I, I'm always so jealous of people that got to work closely with Mr. Hayek Senior. Now, other companies you know, like to talk about long-term approaches. In the watch industry, it's almost a joke that everything has to be so long-term. Long you know, help people understand how many years it takes before one watch is able to come out? Because I think that, you know, especially other industries like electronics industry has made people believe that it takes like six months to, you know, design a product and test it and make it. But that's, you know, that's, that's, just, that's not good. Those are disposable things. 
help people understand how long it takes to design and then industrialize and then manufacture a watch? It really depends. A project like the T-Touch, it took four years, the new T-Touch Connect Solar, because we wanted to develop new technologies inside, um, and it took four years. Um, A watch like the PRX, my uh, love watch for this year, um, it took, because we said, uh, when I I arrived in July, I said, wow, I love this watch. I need this watch tomorrow. And the product and um, industrial team made, made wonders, and we got the quartz version um, six, seven months later, and we will get the automatic in June, so 12 months. So I would say average is about 18 months between the time you have the product idea, the product brief to the designer, then you go to the uh, industrial aspect, and then you validate the product, you test the product. Uh, it's usually 18 months development, and you can squeeze it to 12 months if you put it as a top, top priority. Uh, and for bigger development where you work on the movements, on the new movement, or that can take uh, three, four years. You know what? I think you're being modest because I think that when you say 12 to 18 months, that's incredibly quickly. I believe that's because of the resources at the group. I mean, I'm pretty sure most of the brands, that time is at least two or three times longer. That makes you very fortunate when it comes to speed to market, doesn't it? Yes, but time to market is key nowadays. Everything goes fast, so you need to be fast, but of course you need to keep the value of the brand, the quality of the brand. So you need to put in place the processes that will ensure that at the end you have the quality, even if you reduce it to 12 months. I've always been curious about something. And I think that today there's a, such a shift that, that the paradigm changes. And you know, every year when there's new models that come out, I always wonder you know, who selected these colors and things like that. And obviously I learned it's sort of that, you know, it used to be the department stores and the retailers who would buy them. These days, there's so much more of an ability to get sort of a pulse from the consumer as to what they want. What are some of the new things that you're doing at Tissot to, to sort of incorporate this feedback from consumers into the sort of product development you know, life cycle? So we, we work with our brand managers and we have some brand managers in the country mm-hmm. uh, that we know have um, these product skills. So that's how we get uh, feedback from the market, having uh, uh, working groups uh, from um, composed from our product team, our marketing team, and the brand managers in the market, the ones that are confronted to clients. So, what, so what what do those people do exactly? How's that? You know, I'm just trying to understand a little bit about the type of feedback they give you because if you've actually designed a watch, you realize like it's anything but a straightforward approach. I always wonder like what materials you have to work with before you start to get to like a visual design phase. I will not tell you the whole secret, but uh, oh, what I secret. can tell you okay. is uh, we, <laughs> ga- we gather we gather from uh, the brand managers really inputs of trends they feel. We have the chance to have corporate stores also, where we have consumers that uh, push the door every day. So we have our high our highs and our here in the market that can brought us feedback. But when you talk about product development, what is very important is to look forward to 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 look upfront, and for that. Um, you you have to have the the how do I say the the people in the team who have the the guts to feel the market to feel where it's gonna go, and the success are usually product that uh, um, not necessarily are already seen in the market that are new that are uh, so it's a mix of having product input from people that are confronted to the market and the vision of the product managers and product managers have to feel. Um, trend of tomorrow. And that's the combination of these two that makes uh, a brand having uh, having Tissot having strong collection. 
So part of the success of your job is in finding the right product managers, it sounds like, right? It's very important. And so very what, important. what makes the profile? I mean, these are like, you know, short of being really good with a crystal ball, like how do you find people like this? Well, we have the chance to have... Um, Tissot is a, is, a, is a major player in the watch industry. So we have the chance to have, when we, we put a position uh, open to the market, we have 200, 300 CVs that come. Uh, that helps. And that, that, that really helps. Um, we don't need to headhunt or whatsoever. We usually have, um, Tissot is a brand where people want to go to work for because it's a brand which is healthy in terms of, uh, of culture and that offers very interesting jobs. So then it's the work of the HR and the work of the VP product to be able to gather a team of profile that may be different in our product team, we have people that comes from a technical background. We have people that comes from design background. We have people that comes from self-educated in the watch industry and that are very performant. That's this mix of talents that makes a, a, good, um, a good team to move forward. Support for our podcast is brought to you by Just Live, a trusted source for high-quality wellness CBD products created by athletes just for you. CBD helps athletes or anyone active to feel better while increasing stamina. CBD is popular because it can simultaneously increase energy while also decreasing stress. It's a natural painkiller, and it also has been known to decrease inflammation. CBD isn't just about feeling good, it's about extending personal performance. Just Live recently came out with their new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. Plus, they're vegan and low in sugar. Just Live was founded by professional athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, and Paul Rodriguez because they wanted to create a CBD product they could trust and could stand behind. If you need support with sleep, focus, energy, stress, or immune health, I highly recommend giving these a try. Right now, if you buy one of these new gummy products, you get one free. Instead of choosing just one, visit justlive.com and use coupon code SUPPORT to buy one, get one free. Again. Buy one CBD gummies pack and get one free at justlive.com by using code SUPPORT. What do you think the watch industry should continue to do to be agile in the way that the future needs? I mean, everyone's saying that, you know, you need to be more responsive and the tastes change very quickly. Maybe that's not true, but I, I just, I'm constantly hearing the sort of need for agility all the time. And, you know, you and I know that the watch industry might be good at a lot of things, but it's also good at taking its time, which it's... Exactly. We have to be careful. Brands are there since uh, years and years. So being agile is key. And uh, actually, we have trained all our managers in, in, with new methodology, agile methodology, and so on. But we should not forget, we are brands. Uh, we have products that are there to last. The number one uh, bestseller from Tissot, Le Locle, has been here for, for years. And we shouldn't always look to be faster, quicker. At the end of the day, people, when they buy a beautiful Tissot watch, they buy something to last and they don't want something that just follow trends. They want something that goes over the trends over years. And that's why we have to be careful. We have to have people that understand new methodology of working, modern methodology, that understand digitalization, but we should never have this uh, big trend in digital and modernity, uh, agility and so on, that overcome the hundreds of years of history um, that makes the watch industry being different from any other industry. No, I, I, I agree. And, and, you know, just sort of thinking about what you're talking about, I remember last year I had this experience with, with Tissot. And I think it's really important to say this because Tissot is such a well-known name that when you are 
a watch collector and you're out there like looking for, you know, something cool and special, sometimes you don't think about Tissot, at least you didn't think about Tissot because it's, it's known as being such a mainstream brand. But then all of a sudden, I recently started discovering stuff at Tissot that as a collector, I'm like, wow, I, I wish I knew more about. And it was the gentleman watch. And you never know it with a name called gentleman, right? But it was such a great value. It had had a silicon-based movement. You had this one version that had like a solid gold bezel for like a really fair price. It had performance. It had engineering. It had this time of style. And I, I just, I literally accidentally stumbled upon it on the website. And so it, re, it made me realize like, you know what? There's been so many other little brands out there that have gotten this reputation of being sort of affordable, but for, with the enthusiasts, um, in mind, you know, Tissot and for that matter, other Swatch Group brands have been there all along with these cool things at really good values. Maybe they haven't been as good as as promoting them because they're more humble, but it's right there in front of your face. And now I'm actually excited every single time, whereas I think in the past, collectors feel that when they've exited um your price category, meaning they've been able to, to earn enough to buy higher up, there's no looking back. And I think these days there there is a lot of looking back. I, I know there's not so a response there, but but um would would you agree that like you believe because you are an enthusiast yourself, enthusiasts need to come rediscover Tissot? Well, I can tell you we have a big project on that. We work on the, our museum collection. The first day I was in the archive. We have the chance to have a very talented uh, uh, five person working on the, the Tissot history. And I was opening drawer and I was like, wow, wow, beautiful piece, beautiful watch. And it's so rich, the archive of Tissot. Uh, we're going to put them forward. We're going to, um, we have a project on that. I will be able to communicate more at the end of the year. And um, I can tell you it's very important because um, I have the chance to have a collector at home. My son is a watch collector and he has a limited budget because I don't want him to be spoiled. So he, he, he really looks for um, limited edition, cool watches, but with a very limited budget. And we have the watch industry uh, should have more brands working on also lower uh, entry hand price because you can attract younger audience to the collecting world also. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. And again, I think that you're already ahead of the curve on this, but anything the sort of micro brand revolution taught me was that consumers have the expectation to get more for their money, especially when it comes to certain types of products. And a lot of brands, and, and I don't, Tissot is not one of them, really try to push too far up market over the last few years to an extent where they actually alienated a lot of people. And so I think that the, the sort of the market has said there's this availability out there for better values. We demand it from the big brands that we respect. And I think that message is, like I said, come through and, and Tissot is understanding that um, fully well. But, you know, I think at the same time, you know, there's also this need to recognize that there needs to be this robust conversation about brands before they get popular in sort of this internet era. It's 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 a weird new dynamic. It's sort of never existed before. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Totally agree. You know, in, internally, I, I'm realizing that there's a lot of sort of training going on at the Swanch Group. Does it ever seem strange to you being in Switzerland that from an educational perspective, there aren't more like, you know, master's degrees and programs like that in, in, in watch management? And, and should there be? I, th I think the, the best way to learn is just to have the chance to work with people that train you. Um, I, I really believe that the watch industry is something, honestly, the first year I joined, uh, I remember uh, Mr. Hayek who, who told me, in a, we had a strong discussion and he told me, well, I can feel you are not coming from the watch industry. 
I was I went out I went out of this office. I was a bit like oof, oof. It was a hard comment, but he was right. It took me time to understand all the things that you cannot learn in a, in, in a program about uh, the beauty of the, the watch history, the, the things that are not uh, written that makes a watch being something special, being not a commodity, being a product, an emotional product that lasts. And I believe in just uh, um, having the chance to work with people that makes you this, uh, make you understand all these little things that are very difficult to describe. Now, you have a lot of experience working with brands that have a lot of famous names behind them. In Hamilton, there's a lot of celebrities and big movies. And Tissot has a pretty robust history with, with big names and things like that. Is working with big names and events as important moving forward as, been in, as it has been in the past? Or is it maybe your opinion that something new needs to happen? I'm just curious where your mind is at in terms of where the brand associates its name in the future. Well, uh, for us, we are associated to sports. Uh, we are the uh, the brand of the world of basketball, the, the brand of the world of cycling, the brand of hockey. And uh, uh, we have, of course, also, uh, we, are part, we are official timekeeper. For us, what, what is very important is that we have a technical team that can provide timekeeping solution. And that's why I, I, I like it. That's what I like at TISO. It's not just a marketing partnership. It is genuine. It is authentic because we measure time. Uh, whether it is in the NBA or whether it is in the cycling. And for me, association makes sense only when they are genuine and authentic. And, uh, and um, yeah, that's my, that's my thought for the next years. And that's what Tissot has done very well, associating to sport, but not just in a marketing way, providing timekeeping solution, measuring time. You know, I've been to the facility, the one that is in Switzerland where, you know, Omega does its official Olympic timekeeping mm -hmm. stuff. But it's, of course, the other brands, Longines, Tissot, have facilities out there. And people don't know that there is this company yeah, that produces timing, yes. yeah, all this really important timing stuff. And, you know, it's it's such an important story because it's so easy these days just to buy a marketing sponsorship without having any involvement in the event. And, and the consumers don't know either way. For me, I believe in partnership that are again genuine and authentic and the way for us to make partnership genuine and authentic is to be linked to sport where we measure time and okay that i mean look that that's that's good to know and it works i remember the most compelling sports event when it came to a watch brand partnership i ever went to was the moto gp one uh, an event that there was in, in california yeah. and you know, I walk around and try to figure out, you know, what's the demographic here? And I have never been to an event to this day where more people are wearing the official watch, more people are wearing the, the relevant TISA watches than any sports event I had ever been to yep. ever to this day. And you're right, Ariel. The T race <laughs> is a is a, a family that does very well with passionate people uh, that goes to the sport and that buy our watch. Yeah, I, I I have one. I love how funky it is. I love that thing. You know, it's 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 an incredible thing. Tell me that you're going to keep doing more of that, where you build the watches to match the world. <laughs> Ariel, uh, next time you come to Switzerland, I will show you what we have in the pipe for next year. Okay, so let's talk about the PRX, because I know that's, that's important for this year. And I already saw the PRX, the quartz model, which was an amazing value. It was like $375 you know, or $95, something like that. Very affordable. And... Now there's an automatic version coming. Uh, how much more is the automatic one? I'm just that's that's my first question. Oh, in US, so in Swiss francs it would be seven hundred. So it's probably around eight hundred dollars. Eight hundred dollars more, or is that the retail no, 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 price? No, 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 
Retail price will be around $800. We haven't fixed it yet because it's for June, but it will be in this price range um, of $800. Now, just tell me a little bit about the strategy there, because I totally agree there's a different market for both. But, you know, I, I, and I'm just curious. I really don't know either way. Why do sort of a quartz and a few months later the, the, the automatic? I know it's good to spread things out. You want to have more you know, news across the year. But just help me understand that strategy. You know, I'm just curious. Well, for this watch, it was simple. Is that the original, the 1970 um, uh, uh, model, was born in quartz. Okay. So we said, let's start with the quartz to pay tribute to the original 1978 model. And then you make an automatic one simply because so many people demand it. You're like, well, we have to do it, right? No, because no? We, we, we thought about the construction to be able to use the same case. So it was thought from the beginning. Oh, so the case isn't going to be any thicker or anything like that? It's the same well, case? 0.5 millimeter more because we have an open case back. Um, but uh, that's, the, that's the same case. Wow. And it's it's not a thick watch at all. No, that's, that's impressive. No. Yes. that's uh, For me, um, having seen the behind the scene, it's my favorite watch this year. I really love it. Uh, the T-Touch Connect and this, uh, the PRX, I love it. I wear it. It's so comfortable. And um, really, I, I have to pay tribute to the the technical side of it because um, people may not know but to be able to do such a beautiful integrated strap that's a lot of iteration a lot of work and um, the comfort of this uh, bracelet is just amazing and you have all these little uh, facets that give it a, a shiny aspect and uh, really a great work done on the construction side what i love about it is if you're just getting into watches and you just that's your budget You'll get it and you'll you'll be really happy. You may not know all the things that it does well, but it does a lot of things well. So I, I I agree that that's that's really great. And then, you know, when you wear something like that, you know, do you test the watches yourself? Do you have like a testing body? Like how do you become part of the elite elite group of testers at TSO? Yes. Yes. We have uh, usually we reproduce 10 very, very, very early prototypes. Um, that the head of product wear, the product manager, the quality guy, myself, we wear it to be able to to bring some uh, small correction before production if needed. So what is what is you think the sweet spot price point at T-Stone? What's the range going to be? Because it sort of fluctuates over time between the sort of the low end and sort of the high end. Like what is the spread of T-Stone going to be sort of under your leadership? Will not change at all. We okay. have to stay where we are. Uh, it's the, the beauty of the brand. We are from far the worldwide number one brand, Swiss watch brand producing watches. That's also because we are paying a lot of attention to uh, the price sensitivity. So we okay. will remain between 300 and uh, 1,000 as a core price point, um, US dollar. And of course, we have some chronograph mechanical that can go up to 2,000, but that's really um, uh, limited quantities, uh, upper side. Uh, the, the 300, 1,000 is really our price and it will stay there. What gets you excited about a developing market? Is it the fact that you think that you can grow the market or the market really likes the product and buy high, high volume? I'm just curious about what gets you personally excited about any given market out there. Well, the, the, what is beautiful is that when you have the chance to, to work on a brand that is international, you can go to different markets and learn different things. There are markets, for example, like Japan, where we are uh, still very small. Huh? Tissot is not at the level where it can be in Japan. It's a fantastic market for us to go and learn more about what they want, the Japanese, because they are very demanding in terms of finishing and so on. Oh, yes. There are markets where we are extremely strong, like China, 
or US, where we have a very strong position, uh, where there it's a different um, objective. You need to maintain market share to continue growing, but already on a very big base. So um, that's this mix that makes it very exciting, having markets in development uh, and having markets that are already mature, where we have a lead leadership position. And uh, the mix makes it uh, a challenging, um, interesting topic for us. And over the course of the pandemic, I'm sure that you've spent such a large amount of time, like we all have, looking at data and trying to learn more and more and, and learn how to do your job even better. What have you learned over the last 12 months or so, just given that you've been looking at the data that much closer? You know what? Data is, is key. Huh? Um, analyzing data, analyzing where you spend your marketing money uh, is key. But at the end of the day, let's not forget, the most important decision we take are emotional decisions. Uh, the PRX, the, the PRX, this product, when I joined, I saw it the first week. It was in the drawer. It was not planned to be launched uh, in the short run. And it was just a gut feeling, a love story with the model. And we should not forget this emotional part. It's good to be analytical. Uh, it's important to analyze markets, performance, sellout. Um, but let's not forget the emotional uh, part in the watch industry. That's a very, very important one. Well, I mean, you know, there's no algorithm to measure culture, right? There's no, even if you, even if the data is right in front of you, we don't even know how to look at the data to measure certain things. You know, there's this technocratic way of running business that, of course, we have to respect in the modern world. But I don't, I don't always know that the sort of formal educational track of business helps people sometimes learn. You just have to go with your instinct. You got to try something new. Exactly. You know, you, you look at all the most successful business people out there, and usually they are a product of trying again and trying again and the, the, the ability to stand up and dust themselves off and try again, because it's kind of like gambling. You just have to bet enough times and eventually get it right. But you have to keep trying. That's, that's sort of the rule. You can't just stop and be like, I need to wait for the signs to be correct. No, you just have to keep trying again and again. Yeah, trying and not being scared. Uh, last year, I had a the chance to work with a, a group where we were not scared. Uh, when I was asking for investment for the future uh, connected watches, uh, sometimes I even even had to ask, they were proposing. So keep investing, keep uh, being long-term focused. So I, I have to say that's not something new I learned. I learned it uh, 16 years ago when I entered this group, uh, but it just, it just comforted um, what I learned in the past in this group is just... Keep confidence when a crisis arise. It's the third crisis I, I have to go through uh, since I'm in the watch industry. And it's just being um, uh, true to who we are, not changing. We could say, oh, okay, panic. Uh, there is a decrease in sales for three months. Let's increase price. No, stay where you are, true to uh, the brand DNA and lasting product, product, product. This is the key. So so that is, so I was actually going to ask you, you know, you've been through a few of these. You are, you know, I still see you as as the young guy, but you've been, you know, you have a mature veteran status now. What is the advice you give? Veteran, to I, I, I have a feeling that my son is speaking. He no, that's me as a, a good veteran. thing. No, that means you've survived a lot of battles, right? You know, you're 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 battle hardened. But there's a lot of younger managers in the in, in the industry now that are, you know, they're scared. They're, they're their pants are scared off. You know, like just through the pandemic. And, you know, they're looking at you as a shoulder to lean on half the time. Like, what, what is you, what's your strategy? How do you, what do you say to people to get them to calm down these days? Well, people are, I have to say in the, in Tissot, I'm very happy because we, we made a tour uh, with all the managers and people are not scared. 
people just want to be able to live normally like everybody in the world. Uh, salespeople wants to be able to travel again to the market to feed it. Same for the marketing people. So people are not scared. They are just getting impatient now, like everybody in the world. Right. So what, what do you say to them when they say, Sylvan, when is this all going to end? And they're looking for answers. Like, what do you, what do you say? Well, there are answers that uh, nobody are able to give. And I, <laughs> I, I prefer to just to stay uh, uh, neutral. Who knows? Uh, I was hoping that we would be traveling this year. Um, I don't know anymore. Uh, we, we have to be patient and we have to to work normally. We have to support the markets remotely. We have to listen to the markets without meeting them in person. And that's, uh, that's uh, the whole uh, story going on. But this will have an end. In America, you know, just a few days ago, uh, Texas basically, you know, announced that it was, you know, going to open up everything as of next week. And, you know, Texas has been one of the fastest growing markets uh, for watches in the United States over the last couple of years. Um, how closely are you going to be watching, you know, what happens in a state like that as sort of a sign that, okay, the U.S. is is back and running again? You know, how important is that to you? U.S., US we had five consecutive top months in sales. The market is doing very well. The sales are very good. The only uh, thing that is happening is a revolution where uh, our main clients, they are positive, but they are mainly positive because they have a, a big growth in their e-commerce own websites. Uh, so it's a, a bit of a partial shift in the in the sales split uh, within their, their type of stores. But the sales are, are very well. I'm not. Uh, I'm very confident with the U.S. performance this year. So where where is the sales coming from now? Because it sounds like there's a shift on where they they come from. So how are people buying their Tissot timepieces these days? Well, uh, several answers. Uh, they are they are buying from our own e-com, which has been doing very well. But they are also buying a lot from the e-com from our main retail partners, the big chains, the big department store. Right. Um, and the, and they are also still a vast majority buying in the brick and mortar stores. What did you do sort of before the pandemic that you feel is really crucial in allowing your e-commerce to have success? Because you can't just turn on a switch and have e-commerce. You have to go through no. various iterations. You know, why were you well situated at the outset? Well, simple answer. Tissot was one of the first brands, if not uh, well, really one of the very, very early brands to push e-commerce six, seven years ago. To build a team, and you cannot team a, uh, you cannot build a team in one day. So we have the chance to have a competence in house um, that was started uh, six seven years ago, and we just continue to invest in this channel. But you're right; it's not simple. It's not something you can do. Okay, I want to be strong in e-commerce in one day. No, you have to build it over time. It, it's actually amazing because I've seen some brands have this. And again, I, I don't fault them for it, but a little bit of a naive approach where they think like an e-commerce store is like an ATM machine. You just put it online and, and people yeah. stumble upon it and buy things. <laughs> no, you're, you're right, uh, Ariel. It's much more complex than this. You need, again, you come back to the human aspect, you need a team behind. And you need yeah. teams uh, not only in the headquarters, but also in the countries. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a complex maneuver. You have to drive traffic and interest, mm -hmm. and there's just there's a lot to do. And in some ways, a lot. It's a lot more complicated than just having a beautiful retail experience in a nice neighborhood. You know, there's just so much more going on. It, it's um, it's a new frontier. Um, how long do you think before the other brands will catch up and there will be sort of a a safe amount of 
you know, digital competency and literacy in the watch industry? Like how many more years do you think? Ariel, allow me not to answer to this because I have already so much work to, uh, to uh, answer to this question for Tissot, to put resources, to put the good strategic decision that uh, I let the others do whatever they want. I'm focusing on TISO. I can tell you we have a lot of projects on e-com, um, a lot of projects linked to CRM, a lot of projects linked to logistic, and that's more than enough for me to think. So uh, much. <laughs> yes. But it's good. I mean, I think the constant movement is important. I mean, I think that's what people, that's what they want from watch brands these days. They want to see a dynamic brand that, of course, has a great history, but never sort of stops. And that's what I've always loved from especially the Swatch groups. Every single time I have a conversation with someone important, they're excited about something new that you're doing. And, and it doesn't matter what brand it is, there's always something new going on. So with that said, why don't you tell me whatever you can about the rest of 2021 and the years to come, tell, hook everyone on, on paying attention to everything that you do for the next few years. Well, for me at Tissot, what is very important is that we continue and we even increase paying attention to every single little detail on the product, which is the work we did on the PRX. Uh, I want the people, when they buy a Tissot, they have a feeling they were a very expensive Swiss quality watch. And uh, my focus is really product details, product details. And for that, we're going to decrease the number of novelties every year from 150 to 100 maximum new references. So we can even further strengthen our uh, finishing and work on the little details of the watch. Savan, thank you so much. I can't wait to get my hands on the next generation of PRX with the automatic to see how it looks compared to the quartz. And as a lifelong, as a as the life of my watch collecting uh, career, um, I have been a fan of the T-Touch. I can't wait to see what you come up with next. And I think that it's been really fantastic to get to know a little bit about the person behind uh, the, the leader of Tissot. So the man is... Uh, Mr. Sylvan Dalla, he's the CEO of Tissot. You can go to Tissot Watches and, and check out their website and you can read all about Tissot on the blog to watch. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Ariel. Look forward to seeing you soon on the West Coast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Superlative Podcast. Support the show by subscribing and rating it on your preferred podcast platform. For questions, comments, and ideas, please email the show at superlative at blogtowatch.com. For the latest in watch news, reviews, and culture, visit ablogtowatch.com. Thank you for listening to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? <laughs> 